Well, good afternoon and welcome to another week's uh, installment of Living Catholic with Dr. David Anders. My name is Alex Kubik, and I am the Director of Discipleship and Mission for the Diocese of Birmingham in Alabama. Uh, Dr. Anders, welcome back. It's good to have you back again for another week's show. Hey, Alex. Great to be here. Uh, this week, we have a, 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 real, a real treat, I think, anyway. Uh, we, we have as our guest, uh, Christina Simmons, who's, uh, who's a, a parish ministry coordinator from Our Lady of the Valley in Fort Payne, Alabama. Um, Christina has a, a great, great story of uh, a wonderful Catholic background uh, coming to the faith, uh, entering the church, actually today being the uh, anniversary uh, of, her, of her entry into the Catholic Church. Uh, but Christina has a lot of, of, of great things to say. She's a speaker. She's an author. Uh, she's been involved in parish ministry for, for uh, quite a while, quite successfully. Uh, she's been a part of our diocesan contingent for the, uh, the Encuentro process for our uh, Hispanic brothers and sisters. Um, she's worked with confirmation age students. She also has her own uh, apostolate blog uh, podcast that you might be able to catch called Say Yes to Holiness. Uh, and so we've enjoyed uh, the content that Christina shared through that. She's written a book by the same title of Say Yes to Holiness. And uh, we're just really glad to be able to spend this time uh, with you, Dr. Anders, and Christina with you uh, talking about this vocation to personal holiness. Uh, we've heard a lot, uh, particularly since uh, the close of the Second Vatican Council, about this thing they call the universal call to holiness. Uh, but this, this idea that we each have a personal vocation of holiness is what you two will be talking about today. So I am going to very quickly just pop out of the way and let you get on with it. Thank you very much, Alex. Uh, so Christina, as you know, our bishop has called for a year of the parish in the Eucharist. So we've got to bring this around to the parish a little bit in our conversation. And you've emerged as a real parish, a real leader in parish ministry in the diocese, not only in your own parish, but you've spoken to catechists in other parts of the diocese and have your own apostolate. So why don't you just tell the audience briefly um, uh, your story and how you ended up in parish ministry and then maybe what, what, what some of the things you've got going on in parish ministry today are. Sure. Uh, thank you, David. First, thanks for having me. Uh, it's always a treat to be able to have a conversation with you because our paths don't cross enough, and uh, I always uh, love being able to talk with you. It's always edifying for me. Thank you. I, I hope I hope I can do the same for for everyone today. Um, so very simply, um, you know, parish ministry is the front lines of where it is that the rubber meets the road. Uh, so all of the great uh, pronouncements, uh, like within the Second Vatican Council, um, don't do us a hill of beans uh, good, you know, unless we're actually out and implementing this in the parish. And one of the things that for me in my own journey has been uh, proof of concept of where, okay, so how can we take these great ideals that the church gives us and how can we really live it out so that it is integrated into our daily life? And, you know, I was particularly called uh, to that call to holiness, it really uh, spoke to my heart um, when, uh, you know, not just uh, when I was coming into the church, that was actually one of the reasons that appealed to me about the Catholic Church was the fact of you lived it every day. It wasn't you just came and did it on Sunday and then Monday through Saturday you did something else, but that it was um, an expectation that this was to be lived every day. Uh, so for my own work, um, it's been where uh, the Holy Spirit has called me to be. 
Uh, so my own journey uh, and interests, and God has always used those to, uh, and, and then, you know, I, I'm somebody who uh, I, I don't want to be speaking and sharing about something unless I can point to an example and say, hey, this has been my experience. And it's not necessarily going to be your experience because you're in a different, you know, situation, but at least you can look to that. So that's a part of where I'm always seeking out uh, best practices. I'm always seeking out how can we do this better? Um, and I think a lot of it might be just my own personality. Um, you know, so we did some work together uh, with MCODE, the motivation code. And, you know, so I'm fundamentally motivated to serve people as I explore and I'm meeting challenges. So if I see a need, I'm like, okay, how can we fix this? Or how can we address it? and exploring the different ways we can do that, but it's all always about serving people. So um, one of the biggest things within the diocese is that uh, any work that I have done has been um, totally uh, God's grace and opportunity uh, to be able to work alongside particularly our priests and other uh, catechetical ministers in the diocese, the opportunity to work together with them in the vineyard. So um, if I've had any opportunity to share, it's only because I'm willing to say, hey, I've done this and this has been useful and maybe look at this. Um, and uh, so it isn't necessarily because I'm smarter or better than anybody else out there. So, Christina, what what does holiness mean? Um, a lot of people want to make it this big, complex thing. Um, and I talk about it in my book, but the simplest answer really is it's transforming union with God. And what does that mean? It means that we are striving with every iota of who we are to be able to align ourselves with God's will in our lives. And we might, you know, a lot of people will be like, Christina, th there's no way that I can do that. And today is a perfect day. That's why we look to Mary as, as a model. What did she do? She prayed daily. She was in deep communion with God. Um, she was receiving the word as it was within the synagogue, and it was living and breathing in her life, obviously. She herself was striving to live in accordance with God's will for her life. And then when the angel Gabriel showed up, which we celebrate today on the great feast of the Annunciation, she was able to say yes, because she had prepared herself for that. And as she did that, she was transformed and God in, you know, coming in, coming into her life, of course, into her womb, but into the midst of that. Um, and that is what we're striving for. When we allow God to enter fully into, into our lives, into our hearts, our minds, our souls, he transforms us. And then we become his living, breathing images of love and mercy in the world. So, you know, when you use the word striving, mm -hmm. I think some people might conjure up uh, the image of of, uh, you know, of sort of pulling myself up by my bootstraps, willpower, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to grit my teeth, and I'm going to do this. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of us feel like, you know, whatever your vocation is in life, what your family situation, your job, people have struggles, they have challenges, they have, they have mm -hmm. relationships that are failing. And they feel like they're striving or struggling, if you will, just, mm -hmm. just to get out of bed in the morning and put their shoes on, right? Mm -hmm. And, yeah. uh, and they don't feel the big transformation that you're talking about happening. So I, I don't think you mean just pulling yourself up by your bootstraps when you talk about striving. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and in fact, it's a, it would be a mistake on our part to think that it's about our effort. 
Um, our effort is necessary for us to create the environment as best as we can. And God knows our limitations. He knows our weaknesses. So in the midst of those struggles, in the midst of those crises, in the midst of all of those different things where we're going, I am so lacking, um, God comes into those and he is able to transform them because as St. Paul tells us, it's through our weakness that his, you know, his greatness is, is shown, his glory is shown. So when it's, it, our striving is about us saying yes, and that's where my own, you know, my own journey and also my own apostolate comes in. So saying yes to holiness is merely in this moment, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to give you all of what I can. And of course it's going to be limited. So like even right now, um, you know, me, myself, uh, you know, I struggle with particular things in my life and allowing the light of Christ and his love to shine into every little corner of my life. There, there's little places that we like to hide off. Um, and, but in that moment, I'm giving all of that I can, and God takes that. And that is what he transforms. And you know, the parable of the sower is a beautiful reminder of us of the fact that God likes to work slowly to transform. He doesn't just like to snap his fingers and then all of a sudden we're different. So that's why it is so important for us to have in place in our life some sort of plan of life, some sort of rule of life in which we are consistently showing up so that that way he can transform us over time. And that's what he does, but it's little bit by little bit. Um, and so it's not about one big thing uh, I, I, I push through, um, but rather I'm showing up and I'm allowing God's grace to transform me today in whatever way it is that he can. And then I show up tomorrow and let him keep doing it. So you said two things that it really jumped out to me. One of them was it, you, you talked about placing one's attention on the present moment. Mm -hmm. And the other one was uh, a, a, a practice that you would come back to again and again and again. And that is to have a rule of life. So mm -hmm. let's talk about those two things for a minute, because I'll tell you my own, in my own life, I've heard about the spirituality of the present moment, but man, I don't live in the present moment. I live in the future and the past. That is where I live. And that is yep. where my suffering is, right? Regret for the past, anxiety about the future. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I, a lot of times I have a hard time. I mean, I'd say nearly impossible time pulling my head out of those places that don't exist and mm -hmm. putting them on the things that do right here in front of me. So how do you do that? Um, well, I mean, what, what you share, David, is something I struggle with as well. I think, you know, all of us do. Why? You know, um, very simply because Satan loves to be the accuser, keep us in the past because it keeps us focused backwards. Um, and then, you know, being anxious about the future so that that way we're always worried and we're trying to do things in order to prevent, but that's living out of a place of fear. And that is where living in the present moment truly comes into play, is that we abandon ourselves. And, and the, the biggest proponent of the, quote, sacrament of the present moment is uh, Father uh, Jean-Pierre uh, Cassad and uh, de uh -huh. Cassad, uh, and uh, his, his book, self-abandonment to divine providence, which at least we know now, but that was actually a compilation by another Jesuit a hundred years after Father Kassad was alive. Um, but the fact is, is that we're called to see that in every moment, in every action, in everything that goes on in our lives, we can encounter God. 
because God is present in all things. So it's in those little things that we have the opportunity to be able to invite God in, allow him, as I was saying, to transform it by the power of his grace and us so that our lives are attentive to all of what is good and true and beautiful. Because when we stop, so just using neuroscience right now, so I'm a, I'm a huge, uh, you know, junkie when it comes to how is it that human peak performance and everything, how does that apply? And, and then how does that impact our spiritual life, for example? And one of the things is, is that from being in a place of gratitude, that's being in the present moment. When we stop for a moment and we reflect on, wow, look at all of what has been given me look at all of the beautiful things that are around me in creation or my family or you know when we start with that place of gratitude then we have that opportunity to be truly present to what is there because we're not worrying about what happened and you know before and we're not concerned about what's going to happen in the future rather we know that all is good and true and beautiful in this moment so um hopefully that kind of you know is, a, is an entry point for you. Um, so, you know, you know that. the other aspect is the rule of life aspect. The other day right. I was talking to a priest friend of mine who's a religious, and mm -hmm. I was sharing some of my own anxieties about choices and paths to go in the future and not knowing what to do with certain situations. And I said, you know, one advantage that you have over me, Father, is you have a rule of life of your religious community and you have your priestly vocation. So you may not know what next year holds, but you do know pretty clearly what you have to do at like, you know, nine o'clock this morning, right? Mm -hmm. Because your community prescribes it for you. Right. And, and it seems to me, it occurs to me that when you do have a rule of life, um, it, it can be an aid in mm -hmm. living that spirituality, the present moment. Because Absolutely. like what you're, what you have in front of you to do, you can give your attention to, and you know that what you're giving yourself to is actually God's will for your life. Mm -hmm. We're lay people. Lay people are not accustomed to the idea of a rule of life. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe many people don't even know that a priest or a religious can have a rule of life. Mm -hmm. So what's a rule of life? Um, maybe you would like to share something about your own rule of life and how mm -hmm. that can help live the spirituality of the present moment. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct in, in, in connecting the two. Um, so uh, again, I'll start in the, in the human part in the neuroscience. So um, people might have heard of something like flow or, um, you know, runner's high or those kind of things. When we're at our best selves is when we're fully attentive. Um, so focused attention. And then what happens is, is that then our bodies and our minds are all, you know, present and we're able to do our best work. Um, so all the neuroscience tells us this. And so one of the things is, is with a rule of life is that it does that it frees us from being worried about, oh, well, I have to do this, this, and this. Rather, you know, so one of the most insightful things I ever heard from a, uh, just a productivity piece is that whatever it is that's on your to-do list, you schedule it in and then you know it's going to get done. So instead of working a to-do list and going, okay, I have to do this or this next, rather you've blocked it all in throughout your day and you just move from one thing to the next, which is what you just, you know, spoke of. So for a rural life, particularly for lay people, because 
there are different components that make up a rule of life. Um, and they're made up of the great goods that we all need. So those human goods, so caring for ourselves, eating, sleeping, showering, you know, those kind of things. Then our spiritual goods, which is your prayer, you know, uh, receiving the sacraments, um, you know, the, um, the different activities that we have associated with our meditation and our, our time with, with God, um, our family and friends. Uh, then, you know, of course, our work is where most of us spend most of our time, our work, our achievement. And then, uh, then you, you start talking about kind of, you might say the intangibles, but those hobbies, those activities, those personal interests. And then, you know, most of the times we forget beauty. Um, and so all of those components need to be a part of a rule of life. So do they have to be every single day? No. Um, they, you know, so if, for example, we want to try and make them a part of every day, but they don't have to be in the same amount. So that's why it's all about ingredients. It's like when you're trying to, you know, uh, to, to bake a cake, you don't put the same amount of sugar as you do salt. Uh, they, you, you won't have a good cake that way. So what we have to do is that we have to have the proper ingredients and the proper amounts. And so one of the things is, is that, that hierarchy. So we uh, always have to make sure that we are attentive to, on a physical level, we have to be attentive to our sleep, our food, our exercise, and our mental health. From those, then we uh, build upon a good spiritual life. So give God first, you know, putting first things first, uh, spending time with him. And then, uh, and then we move into, you know, how much time do we have that we have to devote to our work or to our school or, you know, different things that we have responsibility wise, our family, our friends, our obligations, et cetera. So into the midst of all of that, you are coming up with your own recipe. And that can be very overwhelming to a lot of people but so many people don't know the components that they need to be attentive to. So they'll all of a sudden realize, wow, I haven't seen my friends in weeks, but if it's something that you have scheduled in that I'm going to spend time with a friend each Saturday at, a, you know, from a particular time, you know, mid morning, I'm going to get together with a friend, then that triggers us to make sure that we're being attentive to that. And that's how a rule of life helps us. And then you can live that present moment because you are being attentive to those things. Okay, so in your book, you talk about a lot of the concrete tools mm -hmm. that the church gives us, whether we're lay people or religious or priests, uh, tools that can help us in this pursuit of holiness. What are some of those tools? Well, I, I talk um, out of the tradition of the church, there are particular things that have emerged that all saints do. So to be a saint, of course, is to be holy. So um, there's uh, seven particular characteristics that we have to be attentive to. And the church gives us tools to be able to enter into these. So one is daily prayer and meditation, of course, the list and the plethora of the different types of prayer uh, that can help us enter into meditation, that quiet time with God are innumerable. We can do so, 100 podcasts on that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, Peter Kraft once said, don't get bogged on the details, just do it. Exactly. So find something that works and if it's not working, you know, um, but then uh, living a life of, uh, of God's grace, which means coming to the sacraments frequently. So making sure that you are getting to mass, that you're receiving sac and sacrament of reconciliation frequently. And if you can definitely being able to spend time in adoration um, at Thanksgiving after communion, they're all wonderful practices that, that you can do. Uh, another, you know, uh, is 
what we have talked about, uh, striving each day for uh, to grow in virtue. But this is simply a daily resolution. And this comes from your prayer and meditation time. So the practice of a daily resolution of what's sm one small concrete thing that I can do today to be able to grow in virtue. And usually God points me in the direction that I need to be. So today, I had to be very docile um, about uh, my schedule because it was kind of tight. And I just had to trust that everything was going to fit in and not to get flustered or anxious just to be in the present moment, do the task. And, and sure enough, he, he got me here on time. So, um, but a, a daily examine um, is, is one practice that, you know, uh, that's a part of the Ignatian traditions, Ignatius of Loyola. Um, but uh, our blessed mother. D define um, that for us. Define the, the daily examine for people. Sure. The daily examine is you taking the time. Um, usually it's done each evening. And this is not uh, a extended examination of conscience, but rather it's uh, the best way that I've ever heard it described is for you to examine your day in light of how well did I say yes or how or, or when did I say no to the invitations that God placed before me throughout the day. So um, how well did I respond to his grace uh, or the opportunity, for example, to be able to engage with someone who crossed my path and obviously wanted to talk or did I engage in that? Or did I turn and say, no, I'm too busy or I don't, you know, I want to watch my TV show or, you know, um, so it's, it's to be able to take time each day, give thanks for the graces and blessings of the day, review how I failed to respond, and then to say, Lord, I'm sorry, help me amend for tomorrow, and then to, uh, then to focus on doing it again tomorrow. But when I do that in my own life, what happens is, is that it makes me very aware of when I am tending towards particular things, like the example I gave, like selfishness, of where I'm more concerned about my comfort or my desires rather than being present to someone else. Um, and so that gives me uh, an indicator of where I probably need to do when I go to the reconciliation, where I probably need to examine my conscience more fully about what's going on there. You know, also in your book, you talk about the role that Catholic mentors played in your own life and their importance to the pursuit of holiness. You want to tell us something about the the importance of mentors in the spiritual life? Absolutely. Um, so we're, we're not designed to walk alone, uh, number one. So uh, tied to this is to uh, to have a small group of friends, uh, you know, authentic friendship, those who are also helping you be able to strive for holiness. And tied to that, you also need someone who can be a little objective and can um, give you a perspective about how it is that the Holy Spirit's working in your life that you might not see because you're too close to it. And this is where mentors, uh, spiritual mentors, spiritual directors come in. Um, but also uh, in, a, in a more generic sense, uh, a mentor is anyone who you're able to look to as an example uh, to who can inspire you and help you be able to live out that life of holiness God's calling you to. So for me, I've been absolutely blessed, particularly uh, with several uh, Jesuit priests, uh, friends. Uh, in fact, I talked to uh, one this morning because uh, he was my uh, he was my uh, godparent, uh, my sponsor. Um, you know, when I be, I was baptized and received into the church, and um, Mike and I talked this morning. But uh, the that constancy of someone being able to say, 
you know, you just said this and you're telling me that God wasn't at work in your life, but yet you just told me that you saw this blessing. And so are you missing that? Or you're struggling to figure out what's next, but yet are you bringing that to prayer? Um, so a spiritual mentor or director is someone who keeps us on the, on the road so that we're not diving off into the woods and following something, but rather being attentive to how the Holy Spirit's working rather than following our own kind of to-do list. Um, so here's the, here's the unanswerable question. How do you get one? <laughs> how do you what? How do you get one? Ah, uh, you, number one, you pray. Okay. Hmm. So one of the biggest things that we fail to do in our lives, and I'm just as guilty, um, is that we fail to pray and put it before our Lord um, and say, Lord, you know, the desire in my heart um, and help me now pray and sacrifice for it. How important is it to you? Is it important enough that you're willing to go and to make phone calls? Um, and, or do we say, oh no, uh, deacon uh, might, might be too busy or sister might be too busy or, you know, so people that we have come across that might be willing to serve, but yet we don't ask. So that's a, that's a part of what has to be, you know, so it's always, you know, discernment is always about, we have an awareness, we have a need, then we have an understanding about what are the opportunities and then we have to take action. Um, so for a period of time, I was driving literally seven hours round trip in order to get to my spiritual director. I blocked out a day and I left early in the morning, three and drove three and a half hours, met for an hour, grabbed lunch in my car and drove three and a half hours back. But that's the kind of thing that we have to be willing to do in order to be able to potentially be able to work with someone. Um, and in our virtual world now, um, I have, you know, so I, I work with people in spiritual mentorship and I have some mentees that I have never physically been in the same room with. And we've been working together for six, seven years, but we zoom, we FaceTime, uh, phone calls, um, you know, so there, there's ways that we can receive this beautiful benefit and we don't have to be meeting face-to-face. -face. Is face-to-face -face ideal? Absolutely. And if you can find someone locally, great. But even now I, I drive four hours, you know, two hours, you know, to and from in order to get to my spiritual director, but that's how important it is. So when people say, oh, I can't find one, I say, pray, sacrifice, put it before our Lord, and then start taking action and pursuing it and asking people. Um, it could be that it's a really, really good friend that is able to help you in the interim until you find a more formal relationship. So uh, you're involved in parish work, you're a parish leader. Um, bringing it back around to the parish, what are you doing right now in your parish uh, to try to put these, teach these skills, teach these truths of the faith to people in parishes? Um, it, it's a combination of different things. So um, in the in the last, uh, so in the diocese here, I've been involved in uh, RCIA and uh, forma adult formation, um, and then also uh, confirmation, um, you know, preparation among high schoolers, um, and uh, and then uh, different work that way. Uh, so in the midst of that, it's about sharing that message. 
of that we are called to holiness, that we have, I talked the four steps and I already talked about them before daily prayer and meditation, you know, receiving the sacraments frequently, striving each day for virtue and abandoning ourselves to God's will. So telling people that these are the things that we need to be about and attentive to and need to be working towards. But then in the parish, it's, it's the, um, it's interesting that you bring that up because that's actually, uh, right now I, I have moved into a, uh, technically a coordinator of uh, parish ministries role. But what we're trying to do here is that we're trying to create the environment in which every person is able to experience holistic formation. And that means that, um, on a human spiritual uh, intellectual, and then apostolic level, that they are encouraged to live their life out to the full, their personal vocation to the full. And the parish is designed in order to encourage that in all of its ministry and all of its, you know, activities. Um, and so we're, we're in the process of, of trying to do exactly that. Um, and, you know, the church has done it for us. It's, uh, it's being done um, in different places around the country, around the world. Um, but we always have to discern how is the Holy Spirit raising that up within our own uh, community. So um, I'm uh, working with uh, our pastor to try and do that here. So, you know, as you're speaking, uh, I was thinking about all the educational uh, apostolates and opportunities that I've taken advantage of in the Catholic Church over the years. And, uh, you know, as somebody who's involved in educational work in the church also, I have to admit, like, I don't always think that the pursuit of holiness is necessarily the top priority. Right. And I hate, to, I hate to say that, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. like, I've been invited to give talks on church history and theology and apologetics, and I love doing that stuff. I love it. It's terribly mm -hmm. important. Um, but, uh, but do you think this, this, even though this is the vocation of our lives, to be conformed to Christ. Do you think this is underemphasized in uh, in Catholic catechetics? Um, I do, uh, and but I, I liken it to we have focused upon the um, the trees and forgotten the forest. Sometimes hmm. we forget why do we need to be attentive to apologetics. We forget, why is it that we should be concerned with church history? And it has to be taken all in the context so that it's integrated into a holistic understanding by holistic in this, I mean, an integrated understanding of where do I fit into the puzzle and where do I fit into salvation history? Well, in order to know that, I need to kind of know salvation history. So I need to be aware of these things. I need to know that I'm going to need particular truths of the faith so that I can draw upon them and know them so that I can share them when someone has a question. So in apologetics. So very often, because we get immersed into the details, into the trees, we, we lose how it all comes together. Um, and that's something where if we're constantly helping, you know, so on an educational, just kind of in, in general riff, um, one of the biggest things that I see that our educational system fails to do, and we've, we've done this within church catechetics as well, is that we fail to give the big picture. Why are we doing what we're doing? And then how does this, what you're learning now, how does it fit into that big picture? You know, the American psychologist, William James, in his mm -hmm. lecture on the varieties of religious experience says that in his view, religion is the belief that there is an order to the universe and that the purpose of my life is to bring it in line with that order. 
And I don't agree with a lot that James says, but I think that's a pretty good definition. And it struck me as being uh, very apt for what you just described. Like Mm -hmm. you need to know what that salvation history, you have to know what the narrative is that God gives us. If you're going to come to see your life framed by that narrative and bringing your life into a, into harmony with that is the work of growing in personal holiness. Absolutely. Um, and so one of the biggest things that, and, and it breaks my heart. Um, so it's a statistic that Sherry Waddell uh, shared in her uh, groundbreaking work back in 2011, uh, you know, forming intentional disciples. Mm-hmm. But this statistic has stayed with me, um, you know, throughout the, this last decade, which is the fact that of those who come to mass, who, those who are sitting in the pews, 46% of those in the pews do not believe that the God that we are worshiping wants and desires a personal relationship with them. Think about that. That means that almost half of those who are actually coming, so that's a huge small, you know, it's a, it's a small number as it is, but those who are here, they don't understand and realize that their creator God desires an intimate personal relationship with them. And because of that, that's why we have a personal vocation is because we have a unique and unrepeatable mission that no one else can do because there is no other person that is like us. God created us for this particular time. He created who we are and what we are and put us where we are in this particular time because only we can do what we can do. We can only be who we can be is a more accurate you know, statement. And when we understand that we have a paragraph or a sentence that has to be written that no one else can write in salvation history, then it totally changes the entire game about who it is that we are and what our value is in society and also the value of everybody else around us. It changes the nature of, you know, are we, you know, <laughs> I, I am my brother's keeper. And that's where, a, you know, a part of, you know, so, uh, say yes, you know, um, to holiness is about the the vertical relationship. We have to be living out personal holiness. We have to be living it out and striving for it ourselves. But truly mature faith, in my opinion, is that we get to the point of where we realize that nothing is for ourselves. Yes, we all benefit from it, but all the graces and all the gifts that God has given us are for everyone else. It's for the body of Christ. It's to build up the body of Christ. So we have to go about how can I best do that? And it's going to be different for all of us. So personal relationship with Christ, you're mm-hmm. the parish in the Eucharist. And we should pivot in our last, uh, mm-hmm. last question to the most personal encounter with Christ that a Catholic can enjoy, which is to receive him in Holy Communion and the Blessed Sacrament. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and it, it pains me and breaks my heart in the midst of pandemic. And, you know, uh, is the fact that so many people have stayed away um, from the, the most intimate relationship uh, that we have, as you said, is to receive Jesus in Holy Communion. And we're saying no to it by not coming and receiving um, him. And when we come to this understanding that this is the way that we're able to access all of who Jesus is, body, blood, soul, and divinity, 
then what happens is, is that then we reorient our lives and we allow him to transform us through that union with him that comes through Holy Communion. And then life isn't quite so hard. Then we're able to live the present moment because we are in intimate union with him, uh, who is truth and goodness and beauty. Um, it totally changes your perspective about things. The world isn't so difficult. The, you know, the challenges that we have, are they painful or are they hard? Absolutely. But it's our opportunity to allow him to carry them rather than us trying to do it on our own. Christina Simmons, parish leader, author, catechist, social media influencer, podcaster. <laughs> Where can people learn more about what you're doing? Say yes to holiness.com, easiest way to, to track me down and get a hold of me. Or uh, my name is on the uh, is, is on the screen there, Christina Simmons at gmail.com. Just put Christina Simmons together. So um, would love to hear from anybody. Um, and uh, if, if you need help or, or have questions or whatever, especially here within the Diocese of uh, Birmingham, always glad to, to brainstorm, help out however I can. Christina, thank you so much. We really appreciate you being with us this week. No, not Alex Kubik, have you got some words for us about next week? I do. Thank you, Dr. Anders. You know, I was taking some notes, so we're trying to do a little bit of recap. I certainly can't <laughs> say everything that was just said. There was a whole lot in there. I got a lot of good notes here. Some very practical uh, things in this particular installment of Living Catholic. Uh, one of the things, Christina, that you said that was kind of a nugget buried in there that I really liked was uh, you know, to schedule the things we're supposed to do through the day and not just make a, a like a, a running list, right? Mm -hmm. That keeps us from getting bogged down. And that's a really important thing when we think about the spiritual life. Like if we actually schedule the time we pray, we don't just add it to our list. If we schedule the time, we're going to go to confession. We're going to, mm -hmm. we're going to reach out to others. We're going to serve. We're going to do it. If, if it's scheduled and not just listed, that'll help us. That was great. Uh, one of the other things that, that you both touched on was, uh, was living in the present, being in the present. But there was a little twist on that, that which was not just being in the present moment, but also in that present moment, being present to others. That was beautiful. Obviously, a strong emphasis on prayer. Holiness is, is going to flow out of that. that. That bit about the daily examination, uh, the way that you put that, Christina, I love that, that it was, did I say yes or no to who and what God put in my path today? What a great question to ask yourself when you're doing an examine. Uh, frequenting the sacraments, uh, frequenting adoration, uh, the daily resolution to grow in virtue, right? Just making a decision, even if it's a small way. Mother Teresa used to say, do little things with great love, you know? So like, do we make that, that deliberate decision, that resolution every morning, how we're going to grow in virtue by doing those small things and abandonment to God's will. And of course, God's will, it can kind of seem like a big overarching thing, which is why mentorship and uh, spiritual direction uh, is so important, finding holy examples to follow. Um, but I loved also that within that, you know, it wasn't just finding like the the like the uber catholic jedi master of catholic faith but you also mentioned mentorship can come in the form of an accountability group uh, right. a group of authentic catholic friends who mm -hmm. we, we have some kind of sense of accountability with that can call us on that can see the things in our lives that we can't see that was absolutely fantastic uh, and lastly the last little note that i took here out of this when we talk about holiness is knowing understanding living like nothing that god's given us is given to us for ourselves that mm -hmm. was absolutely fantastic uh, so some practical ways of looking at living out in this year of parish and the Eucharist, our personal vocation to holiness. Again, you can find more from Christina at sayyestoholiness.com or christinasemmons at gmail.com. 
Uh, thank you for being with us, Christina. David, thank you once again. Uh, next week, so we want to just remind everybody, this is a weekly at three o'clock show. Next week will be Holy Thursday. We have a pre-recorded show that we'll, we'll uh, be showing you. With, it was an interview between uh, Dr. Anders and Bishop Reika, our bishop here in the Diocese of Birmingham. Uh, coming up on, you know, today, one year ago today, he was announced as our new bishop. Uh, he didn't get here until late June, but, you know, but he was announced uh, on the Feast of the Annunciation and Annunciation on Annunciation. Uh, and so uh, it'll be great next week to hear uh, from, from Bishop Reika, who will be talking about his personal, you know, his goals and his hopes and his designs for actually convening this year of the parish and Eucharist. Where did it come from? Why did he call it where we're going? So uh, don't miss next week's show, Holy Thursday, three o'clock. If you can't get on it live, it'll be available later on YouTube or on podcast as well. And just to close out, we want to remind everybody that this show is available live at 3 p.m. on the YouTube channel. And if you are watching via YouTube, please make sure to uh, hit the like button, the thumbs up, and also please be sure to hit subscribe and then ring the little bell next to subscribe so that you are informed when new videos go up, when they become available. Uh, sometimes we have a little extra content or if there was maybe a technical glitch and we missed some or we're able to fix up the audio or whatever, you can come back and watch again and catch a little bit more or maybe hear some things that you missed. So please make sure that you uh, like and subscribe and ring the bell to be notified of what's going on on this YouTube channel uh, where we have all this living Catholic content. Of course, you can also be listening via podcast. Uh, and if you are listening via your favorite podcast app, it's available on all of them. Please make sure to like and get, leave a review or stars or some interaction to let, let everybody know that you've enjoyed this content uh, and that they should, they should enjoy it too. Uh, particularly if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, please consider uh, giving us a rating and a review. Uh, and uh, lastly, I uh, just want to make sure that you share this content. And uh, Christina, I'm going to say that to you too, because as David mm -hmm. mentioned, you're very active via social media. So we <laughs> want to make sure that these videos or podcasts get shared uh, among your friends and family. Uh, I remember uh, doing some work with a local Catholic radio affiliate, um, did, a, did a very large survey. And you know, the number one way that people find out about Catholic media is through word of mouth. Yep. There's no advertising. There's no budget. There's no nothing that does anything near, not even close mm -hmm. to the effective word of mouth. So please make sure that you share Living Catholic with all of your friends and family. Once again, Christina Simmons, thank you so much. Dr. Anders, also, we want to thank you for, uh, for yet another great week of Living Catholic. Tune in next week at 3 for Bishop Reka. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks, Alex. Thanks. I appreciate it.